0: morning, so I I promised you last week, or maybe it was Pastor Corey that promised you last week, so we can blame, let's blame him, because he's not here, Uh, he's on vacation this week, and so it'd be easy to blame him for the air conditioning not being on this morning. So you see the unit's here and the unit's there and then there's one hiding up here. Um, and I know that we promised that last week would be the last week without air conditioning but the contractor's appointments or his scheduling had something else to say about that so uh, we hope that it'll be finished um, this, this week and that and that next week um, we'll have a much cooler sanctuary. Although not too bad in here this morning, right? We can do this, okay. Um, well, we're we're in a series uh, called Divine Appointment, and that that name or that title uh, it has a lot of things that are associated with it, and we all probably have our own idea of what a divine appointment is, or what one of those times is that just feels like everything everything was put together and orchestrated and brought to this singular moment of purpose and there was a plan and like this is this everything is culminating at that at this one moment and I think everyone has these everyone has these situations we all right guys We're working on it, okay. Um, Everyone has these, everyone has these situations where they, um, where their mic doesn't exactly work very well, and they have to pause for a moment, right? And it's like, is God orchestrating this for some specific reason, and maybe he is, and maybe he, maybe he isn't. Um, maybe it's just a bad battery or something similar Um, but anyway suffice it to say we all we I think we all have experienced moments where we're like everything all of the details in life or all of the details of the schedule and relationships they all culminate at a specific moment and we're like wow this was just perfect and how did it happen this way and God must be God must be doing something Here, and then there's others of us who say, you know, um, I've been walking through life for a long time, and I've been I've been trying to listen to the Lord and walking with Jesus, but I've never had one of those moments where I felt like you know God just came crashing on the scene of my life, and it was just so obvious that. All of these things and all of these details have been put together for this specific point. And I don't know if I'm missing something or, or if God's just not, you know, like I'm just not on God's appointment calendar or what the case may be. And what I want to say is that um, not every divine appointment that you have in life looks like a big God crashing on the scene moment. Not every divine appointment looks like a moment where um, you're walking in the woods and there's a burning bush there and God is speaking to you about going to do this one thing or go do this thing. Not every divine appointment is obvious, but when we begin when we begin to recognize the ways in which God speaks to us and the things that God uses... Um, to advance his purposes in the world, or even what your role is in the building of God's kingdom, being on mission, we begin to realize, okay, wait a second, yeah, God is speaking to me all the time about a divine appointment. God is putting me in all kinds of situations where he wants to use me to reach this person. And it becomes a moment of us... um, just recognizing the way that God uses us, right? Recognizing the way that God uses our story, recognizing what God what God is orchestrating around us for His purposes. okay? Not every divine appointment is a burning bush moment. Sometimes a divine appointment looks something like um, after a long weekend away, maybe a holiday weekend, you come back to work on a Monday morning and a co-worker who you've worked with for years, says that the argument that they had with their spouse this weekend was very likely the final nail in the coffin of their marriage. And they're they're sad and they're depressed and they they really don't know what to do. And you're sitting there and there's kind of this, this awkward silence between the two of you and you just get, right? This is how it happens. You just get this kind of overwhelming sense that you should offer to pray for them. And you don't know you don't know why it kind of just popped into your mind. Well, I mean, I, sh- I should offer to pray for this person, but the mere the mere thought, right? The mere the mere like, um, the mere option of praying for your coworker right there in the moment, in the in the awkward silence as they're pouring their ho- heart out to you about the brokenness of their of their marriage, like you should pray for them. Oh my gosh. I can't do that. I can't I can't offer to pray for them. I can't say that to them. Like that would be so weird. Like who who does that? Like I'm I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. What if they think I'm crazy? Like and so in the midst of our fear, we just let that moment pass, right? Like you know, uh it'll be okay. Just keep your head up. Just you know, don't give up. Persevere. Uh, or, or you say something like, halfway to the divine appointment, right? I'll be praying for you, right? Um, or maybe uh, or maybe it's something uh, having to do a little bit more like with your personal situation. Like you, maybe on like a holiday weekend or July 4th, okay, you get together with some uh you get together with some extended family you don't see them very often and like um uncle i was gonna say vinny but we have a vinny here so um uncle uh uh bob uncle bob right he uh he he makes he makes some snarky comment right Uh, how he saw on facebook oh yeah i saw i saw you uh tagged in a in a Facebook post or a, a Facebook picture uh, serving at the serving at your church's uh, outreach event. And man, I didn't know they let people like you go to church, right? Uh, I mean, I watched you grow up. I didn't know they let people like you serve other people. Like, what's going on? And you think in this moment, in that very moment, right? There's something so deep inside of you that makes, that like, man, I just want to tell this guy who's known me for all of my life, but hasn't seen me recently, hasn't seen me in a long time. I just, man, I, I want to just tell him about what God has do, been doing in my life lately. I want to I tell him about how God has how about how my relationship with Jesus has been bringing me, has been bringing me hope. And how the, the community of faith, my church, has been encouraging me and supporting me in my, in my walk with God. And, and, and how my, my life is like literally changing from, from the inside out. And how, and how I am not the same person um, today that I was yesterday but not the same person that I'll be tomorrow that like God is really really doing something in me but you just you just get this sense that man I'm like if I I know this is like be the perfect opportunity and like he brought it up and was like talking about church and like making a snarky comment but ah, I'm just like scared that if I if I say all that like he's not going to believe me right he knows how I've been all my life and it's you know they're going to use it as a, like some way to laugh at me and I'm kind of scared even. I don't even know really how to talk about Jesus yet. I don't know really how to talk about what God has been doing in my life. And, and uh, uh, he probably won't believe me anyway and just thinks I'm faking it or just doing it to, to get something from, from God or religion is a crutch or whatever the case may be. Ah, I'm just going to let it be and I'm not going to say anything, Right? And, and in that moment, that, that opportunity that, that we had to, to testify, even very simply, to what God has been doing in me. And like, well, yeah, why, let me tell you why I was serving um, alongside other people from my church at this, at this event. And let me tell you about some of the people. I met and let me let me tell you about what that did in my heart and what we're hoping and praying it does in the hearts of the people in this city and uh, uh, yeah you brought it up great thanks for the opportunity to talk about it right now I don't have to be accused of bringing it up all the time I got I got so many stories to talk about with that let me just share with you what's going on in my heart and life and in that moment we have that opportunity but out of our just absolute fear right or or not knowing what to say, or not knowing how to say it, or, or worrying what the response will be. We let the moment slide, or we, we laugh it off, or we say like, ah, <laughs> yeah, can you imagine me? Yeah, the building hasn't fallen down in on me yet, but it might. And listen, what I want to tell you is that more often than not, those are the type of opportunities. Those are the types of appointments that God has written on the calendar of other people's lives. Runs into Cameron at a family gathering, makes a comment, church, dot. And he's, he's filling out the calendar of this guy's life, Right? he's filling out the appointment book of your co co-worker's life and he's he's scheduling all of these divine appointments where where there's just where there's where there's one more person and there's one more story and there's there's one more divine encounter where where that person's heart is touched and and affected with the with the message of what God is doing look look if God has inspired that encounter made made that divine appointment then then he has begun even in that moment to to write the chapter of that person's life where everything changes for them and the most awesome thing about the way that god works in the lives of other people is that when he begins to write the chapter Where where their life changes for forever. He wants the title of that chapter to be your name. God wants the title of the chapter of that person's book. Where where everything changes for them. He wants it to be the name. Cameron Leinhart. The appointment that changed the life. The appointment that tipped the scales. The moment where the waterfall began. But listen, we have to let God's appointment calendar, his divine scheduling, write the story of other people's life change. We cannot allow fear to write those chapters. We cannot allow our own perceived inability or inadequacy or or embarrassment or fear write the chapter of someone else's life. The chapter where there could have been overwhelming waterfall-like beginning of new season of life change for them. See, because what happens is you know what those moments of fear reveal about our hearts? When we, when we have that divine encounter, when we, when we get that sense, and when I say that sense, you know what I mean? What I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit, right? When the, when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, pray for them. Offer to pray for them right now in that moment. Share what, God, share what Jesus has done in your life. That's not, a, that's not a sense. That's not an intuition. That's not an idea. That's the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you. Say, well, God doesn't speak to me. God speaks all the time. We rarely listen. We, we rarely listen. We almost always pass it off as just a good idea or something crazy or intuition or experience or wisdom or something like that. So it's not that God is not speaking to us. It's that we've been conditioned, right, to silence the voice of God and call it something else. And so God is speaking, right? Uh, pray for them. Walk alongside of them. Tell them what Jesus has been doing uh, doing in your life and so when we when we get the sense that that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and telling us to do that and we respond in um in fear right and we walk away not having responded to what the Holy Spirit is calling us to what we reveal um, is something about our hearts right not about not about God not about them Um, really what it is at the very at the very Heart of the issue is that um, people are always, I am always, you are always most concerned with who? Me. I'm always most concerned with me. What is best? What's gonna be best for me? What is going to what is going to maintain my acceptable level of comfort and acceptance? and and being a part of the crowd in this moment. Fear fear holds at the the very heart, it it holds in the highest regard my inability and my inadequacy to say the right things, right? Like, well, the reason I don't want to pray for them is because I don't know what to pray. The reason that I don't want to share with them about what, Um, about what Jesus is doing in my life is because I don't really know how to talk about Jesus yet and they're just going to laugh at me or they're not going to believe me. And and the common thing there is not the fear. The common thing in those excuses is the word me. The reason I don't want to do it is because of me. The reason I don't want to do it is because of me. The reason I don't want to do it is because of me. The reason I don't want to do it is because of me. Me this, me that. Me this, me that. I can't do this. I don't have the ability to do that. I'm inadequate here. I'm unable here. I don't know this. I don't know that. And we forget, we completely become blinded to the fact that there's this other person that is standing before us, and the chapter of their life where everything is changing, that those pages are blank, right? And instead of beginning to write the story of where their life changes, we just write Me. Period. Flip. And it becomes all about us. We forget. Right? We lose sight about the... here. We, we lose sight of the urgency of the mission that God has called his church to be on. We we lose we completely lose sight of not just how important it is but how urgent the mission is about how urgent because listen when we when we grasp how impendingly urgent something in life truly is we always react and move like very swiftly don't we when we when something really truly is urgent and we understand clearly the consequences of inaction we move very fast we could we could cite a thousand examples about this right? If the house is burning down, right? The urgency with which we deal with the circumstance is of utmost importance, right? We don't wait until a convenient time. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm right in the middle of something I would call the fire department, but come on now. No, because we understand that there are that there are situations in which waiting causes more damage than acting. Than acting upon that, right? And, and if you go to, um, for instance, if you go to um, Sub-Saharan Africa. I've been to Sub-Saharan Africa, okay? Um, and uh, let me tell you. Um, the the christian church community in the united states is um has this incredibly whiny voice about the state of a church of the church in america oh the church is dying and there's no there's no there's no power in the church and 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 no one no one really believes and and, and everyone is just, we, you, you've heard the phrase, playing church, right? And it doesn't even seem like Jesus is, is real. And there's no urgency to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those around. And the church is, by every statistic, dying in the United States, in North America, in Europe, basically in the modernized world, right? Because we've... Um, We've, we've done a, a fantastic fantastic job of focusing all of life on ourselves and not on the urgency of the mission of god right but in places like sub-saharan africa in parts of asia in south america right um uh, there's 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 no such whiny voice about the church dying In fact, the only whiny voice is not even really a whiny voice. It's a, we can't keep up with the move of the Holy Spirit in and amongst our midst because he is just pouring out, not even revival, right? It's not even revival. It's a fresh outpouring of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, families being changed, communities being changed, cities being changed, nations being changed, Because for some reason, the people have grabbed onto the fact that the building is burning, right? And and it it requires an, an urgent response from the people of God to ensure that those who are still inside get out safe. And so they're grabbing their hoses, and they're grabbing their axes, and they're putting the ladders up on their building, and they are pulling people out like it's the last thing that they could ever do and the urgency the urgency to share the goodness and the grace and the good news of Jesus Christ with all the people that they meet all every time everywhere every interaction is a divine appointment every face-to-face is a divine appointment Every co-worker is a divine appointment. Every family member is a divine appointment. Everything is a divine appointment. And if you think all of these people somehow have figured out the exact right answers to all the critical questions that people have in faith, you're completely wrong. It's not about having the right answers, right? It's not, about, it's not about them being completely able or more adequate than you and I. They're just utilizing the thing that God has given them To affect the urgency of the mission. You with me? Okay. Let's open up our scriptures to John chapter 6 this morning. Dee, can I have some more water, please? Thanks. John chapter 6. Uh, verse 1, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Oh, yeah, I'm getting Can all to Yeah, I'm going to give him a sweat towel here in a minute. Okay. My wife will often judge the um, intensity of my preaching on how many layers I sweat through. (laughs) This is a moderate day, I think. Okay, John chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. And then Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. And the Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for all of these people to eat? Jesus saw that there was this, uh, that, that there was a, this need Right, some would say that the that the need was urgent. a great A great crowd of people, a great a great multitude of people, um, thousands of people, so it seems. And and his desire when he sees the people and recognizes that they are hungry. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, "Where shall we buy bread for these?" people to eat his desire there is to meet the need the somewhat urgent need of the people before him and now now this was the jesus this was the jesus of scripture right this was the jesus of thank you um i was kind of kidding but that's going to come in handy um that that jesus uh this was the jesus who had turned water into wine who had healed the paralyzed man, who had, who had healed the official son so far in the Gospel of John. This was the Jesus that had every capacity and every ability to provide the most delicious and expansive banquet of food for these people that they could possibly ever want. At the snap of his fingers, at the very, the breadth of his mouth, right? All of those people could have been satisfied beyond belief simply by his words but but instead of jesus just doing all of it himself what was jesus number one option to meet the urgent need of the people before him he says to philip right a guy that's been following him for not very long right who's just a regular old guy hey philip um where should we buy bread for these people to eat That Jesus' number one option, his his number one go-to, the plan, plan A, was that that he was to ask his disciples, how do you intend to meet this urgent need? How are we going to do this, Philip? What's your plan? Do Do you see the need? Do you recognize the need? okay what are you going to do about it well jesus that's kind of your responsibility i mean you are in fact the son of god and like i brought the crowd here god and so if i bring the crowd here you can uh you can take care of the rest and jesus is like it's not the way this happens you are plan a you you are you are the number one like plan like this is how it's going to go down philip so so get, get super used to it, all right? Uh, it goes on to say, he only asked this, or he asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Oh, we can say so many things about verse 6 here. That before, before you even have the breath, before you even have the breath to detail all of the reasons in life that you can't, Jesus is making provision to fulfill the need. Like, before, you can, before the words can even come out of your mouth, of, well, Jesus, wait, we can't do this. They would take eight months to buy all the bread for, the, for these. Before, before it even, like, you process it and it gets out, Jesus is like, don't worry, I already got to figure it out. Like, his provision... The the answer that Jesus has precedes every single time all of our doubt, all of our questions, all of our inability, all of our inadequacy. It's like like he wants you to know before you can even express faith in your doubt that he has the answer. Verse 7, Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have A bite. See, when Philip realized that Jesus was making this problem, this substantial need, his problem, something that he needed to deal with, something that he needed to address, it's like all of a sudden Philip forgot who he was, and not only forgot who he was but forgot who he was with. And focused not on the fact that he was standing next to a man who had turned water into wine or if you're Baptist, water into grape juice. Right? <laughs> who, had, who had healed a paralyzed man who was 38 years old, who had who had healed an official's daughter, right, who was proclaiming to be the Son of God. Like, like, the, like the, the realization that he was standing next to the Messiah, like completely, boop, out of his mind. And when Philip realized the responsibility of meeting the needs of the people around him was placed solely on his shoulders, all of a sudden his focus turned not to what he could do, or not who he was with, but all it turned to was his inability. I can't because of this. I can't because of that. I can't because of this. Eight-month wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And Jesus, you don't seem to understand all of the reasons this can't happen. Let me educate you here a little bit, Jesus. Philip only wanted to focus on the inability of, of the situation in that moment and completely closed his eyes to the fact that not only had Jesus orchestrated this divine appointment but he was still standing right there he was was like here talking to him this is one of my favorite parts of this whole story though in verse 8 another one of his disciples uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother spoke up Verse 9, here is a boy with, small, with five small barley loaves and two small fish. And then um, he he like supports Philip's doubt, right? But how far will they go among so many? And what I envision is I envision this little boy, okay, who is um, standing close enough to hear what's going on, the talk that's going on between Jesus and the disciples, right? He's like kind of in the mix, but no one's paying attention to him because he's just a little kid, and what do little kids know? Right? I mean, they're like, they don't really understand the things of God. They're not like, let me go downstairs, guys. All, all us adults will be up, up here doing the important spiritual work of christianity and church and while you're down there getting spiritually babysat we'll hear the word and worship and we'll take communion and then we'll come and get you when it's all over right and so you got to think of this like kid who's sitting there he's like listening to philip listening to jesus listening to philip listening to jesus and then he, he like walks over to simon and he's like hey 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 and Simon's like what you know what? Stop. Important discussion here, okay? We're figuring it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. I I, I I got my lunch. You can have it. Right? It's like our little kids, you know, like I I mean I don't want to brag on my kids, but my kids are pretty awesome, right? And um I've had situations where uh my, my my son my oldest son Noah, um he can be a typical seven year old like kind of kind of a little punk sometimes, right? But he has the, the sweetest and most gentle heart. And, um, and, uh, and so there, there have been times where we have to, Yeah, in fact, most recently, Sherry and I were having a, a discussion about how we were going to pay to send him to camp. And it was not like, a, oh my gosh, we can't send him to camp, right? Like the Lord has blessed us and we were going to be fine, but we were just having the discussion. And Noah raced up to his room and he came downstairs with a little piggy bank. He was like, hey, uh, if you guys need help sending, uh, paying for camp, you can have this. Because for a little child, right, there's, there's, no, there's no concept of enough or not enough. We can, we can say, um, we were just the other day we were thinking about buying a new van, right? And we decided not to. Yeah, we're going to wait, save some more money, pay cash, not have car payments, blah, 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 blah. And we were explaining why we weren't going to get the new van to the kids. And Noah's like, well, Dad, just write a check. write a check okay there's no concept of what was of what's behind that right because it was just this simple like when you act the the expected results happen and and nothing that comes behind you so you imagine this little boy who's like well i mean you need food like well yeah i got food right here here take this right and uh and, and so like, the kid won't leave him alone, right? So Simon's like, oh, yeah, there's this little boy. Here's his lunch. But <laughs> how far will that go? You know, we got all these people here. And this kid's like, bro, just give me my lunch. Just take it, right? This is what I have. I'm, I'm offering it to you. And see, here's what I, here's what I think about um, this little boy. Is just like when Noah brings me his piggy bank, or when he says, hey dad, just write a check. Right? He's not thinking about, the boy is not thinking about how much he has or doesn't have in comparison to the need. Noah's not, Noah's not thinking about how a, a small pile of pennies um, can't even make a dent in sending him to camp. Or writing a check doesn't even really work to just buy something. They don't think about the amount in comparison to the need. When Noah brings the piggy bank, right? He's not bringing it because he believes he has everything that he needs right here. He's he's it's not even about the amount at all. How no matter no matter how much it is or how much it isn't, it's all about who he's bringing it to. Right? He's bringing what he has to the people that he trusts the most. To do the right thing with what he has. And when the little boy brings his lunch forward, he's not really bringing it because he has this um, he has this idea that, oh, this lunch can serve all of these people, but he's bringing it like it works. It actually works because of who he brings it to. Because he brings the only thing that he has no matter how it compares with the vastness of the need. He brings the only thing that he has to the feet of Jesus and then Jesus does his thing with what is offered to him, no matter how much it is or no matter how much it isn't. We read on here. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them and then Jesus took the loaves and he gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted as they needed as they wanted right and he did the same with the fish When we give what we have to Jesus in an effort to meet the urgent need before us, the effectiveness of that gift comes because of our faith and not because of the measure of the gift. So, it wasn't the measure of the gift that provided everyone with the ability to eat as much as they wanted. It had nothing to do with the amount that they had or were given. It was all about the manner in which the gift was given. It was given under the firm confidence that it doesn't matter what i have or what i don't have i'm giving it to jesus jesus is going to do his thing with it and it's going to be effective not just for the need but above and beyond the need because they didn't just eat what would satisfy them they ate all that they had want all that they wanted and then it says in verse 13 they gathered the pieces together and filled 12 baskets with what was left over so so jesus met the urgent need not just barely by a sliver but in radical abundance when we when we offer what we have in the moment that god has orchestrated Jesus to meet the urgent need to fulfill his mission his divine appointment in that person's life when we give it without it's here it is right Jesus takes that gift turbocharges it right and presses it into that person's life in such an effective and powerful way that we could could never manufacture or do on our own. Here's the thing. This begs the obvious question. In a moment of a divine appointment, what do I legitimately have to give to the person that is standing before me? To the person that says, this might be the final nail in the coffin of my marriage. It's not going to survive this. I don't know what to do. I am so sad. I am so depressed. I feel like a failure. Or to the Uncle Bob, right? Who's making fun of, in an implicit way, what God has been doing in your life. And yeah, I'm sure you're really changed. Blah, 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 blah. What, What do we have to give in those moments of divine appointment? I will say it two ways. We only have one thing to give, but it is the best and only thing that we should give. And that is the story of what God has done in you. What we have to give in those moments of divine appointment, our own five loaves and two fish, is the story of what God has done for me what the story of what God has done for you it's the moment where 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 you can sh- where you can share you know i was going through a difficult time a little bit a little while back too and i really didn't know what to do and i was so like i was just kind of out of it and i and man you know like my neighbor offered to pray with me and i was like ah. I don't need your prayers. I need my marriage better. I don't need your I don't need your prayers. I need to have more courage. And and I thought about that and I'm like, but but I finally said, "Okay, yeah, whatever. Pray for me. Let's get this over with." And when they prayed for me, I got like just this overwhelming and enormous sense of God's presence with me and a peace flooded over my life, and I felt connected with the spirit of God, and I felt that I knew in that very moment that that person earnestly cared for me and loved me because it wasn't all about the pomp and circumstance about their words and fancy words and showing off for people around me but they like it's like they earnestly they just wanted to love me they just wanted to encourage me they just wanted to support me and and I I don't know if I can do that for you but if it would be okay I would just like to pray for you because what God did for me in that moment I am so confident that God is going to do that for you and I don't have all the answers to your problems, and I don't even really know what to do, and I don't even really know all the details, but what I, what I do know is that in a moment where I needed hope, in a moment where I needed comfort, in a moment where I needed strength, someone thought enough of me to said, to say yes to a divine appointment, and I will say yes to the divine appointment in your life. Can I pray with you, please? You don't got to say all that, but you get what I'm saying, right? And so... So the the gift that we give to the feet of Jesus, right, in a moment of urgent need, in a moment where a divine appointment has like, wham, right here, oh my gosh, yeah, I know I'm supposed to pray for this person, I can't do it, I don't want to do it, I don't even know how to bring it up. Can I just tell you about a time where I had a similar circumstance and someone offered to pray for me and it just really changed my perspective? Well, Sure. And almost 14 years of ministry. Uh, whether the person knows I'm a pastor or doesn't know I'm a pastor, I can literally not recall one moment where I asked someone if I could pray for them, and they said, "No, nah, I'm good, bro. Thanks." Where it was like this moment of, "No, nah, no, thanks." People are almost universally accepting of that moment even if they don't have any faith in god or any understanding of what we're doing or or don't profess the name of jesus as lord but but look it's our story in that moment offered to jesus by faith no matter how small that jesus then uses to like supercharge the work of the spirit in their heart When we give what we have to Jesus, he takes the relative smallness of our story and multiplies it exponentially. And let me tell you what. We're going to end with this, right? Your story, the thing that you have to share with the divine appointment person that God has put right before you, your story is not small your story is not insignificant. The things that have happened to you, the things that have happened in your life, your your journey and story of faith, if you've been a Christian for as long as you can remember, you don't remember a time where you didn't believe in Jesus, all the way up until the point where, where today is the first day that you're expressing faith in Jesus. Your story has purpose. Your story has meaning. It is it is not small. It is the it is the proverbial lunch that you are carrying around with you. It is it is what Jesus is going to use to exponentially meet the urgent need of people all around the world, all around your city, all around your family. All around your home. All around the place where you work. God is going to use that story. God is going to use that offering. He's going to use that gift. The tipping point, right? The tipping point in the whole thing. In every divine appointment. Is if you... Can just say, right? Even, listen, I get it. You think that I'm a, like, well, it's easy for you to say you're a pastor. It's no easier for me, all right, to share the story of what God has done in my life in the moment of a divine appointment than it is for you. Sweating. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, Lord. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Right? I don't know. The tipping point in someone else's life, their life change, so, like, I'm so serious, it hinges on you being two things. Available and willing are you available are, are you available to hear that person are you, are you available to hear their story are you available to receive their pain and then are you willing in the moment because the moment will be there when, when, when that random thought of I should pray for them or that random thought of, uh, maybe I should invite them to conduit this week. Comes into your mind. Not, now you've made yourself available, now are you willing? Are you willing to offer that gift? You're not even offering it to them, right? Who are you giving it to? The boy, the boy didn't break up his, his lunch and give it to the people himself, right? Right? Because there wouldn't have been enough. It would have been inadequate to meet the need. So I don't, I don't package up what God has done in my life and, like, give it to people, right? I give it to Jesus. Like, Jesus, use this, please. Jesus, use this in the life of others. Jesus, use this in the life of others. And when you begin to say things like, Jesus, use this... Jesus, use me. Jesus, open up my eyes to the divine appointments that you are creating in my... Li- Listen, word of warning. Don't pray prayers like that you don't want answered. If you're just like flat out, I ain't sharing my story. I ain't sharing my faith. I ain't praying for anyone. I'm not inviting anyone to church. I'm not doing it. I'm just, I know I'm not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. Don't pray. Don't pray. Don't pray. Lord, set up a divine appointment for me today. Set set up a divine appointment for me this week at work. Give me the opportunity to share my story with someone else that I meet this week. Because let me tell you what, if you pray that prayer, like it will hit you like a ton of bricks. It will happen. Jesus, like Jesus answers prayers that the Father wants us to pray. And it will happen. Um, what I, you know, when we, when we take communion here at Conduit, um, we, we take communion, uh, I think, similar to uh, most other churches. If you've ever been to church before, if you haven't, let me kind of explain to you how we do this, okay? Um, we take communion like almost, uh, most Protestant churches, some Catholic churches even, um, and we take uh, a piece of bread, and we break it off of the loaf, and then we dip it in the cup, which has... Um, we're we're uh, we're good pseudo-Baptists here, so we have grape juice in that wine, okay? Um, uh, that should have been... You can laugh at that, because that's supposed to be funny. Um, no offense to my Baptist friends. Um, so we take a piece of the bread, and we rip it off the lo- loaf, and then we dip it in the cup, and we... And then we eat it, right? And um, we do it for many reasons. Uh, One, Jesus told us to. When uh, Jesus met with his disciples in an upper room before he was betrayed, arrested, and crucified, he, he took a loaf of bread and he was meeting with them and he gave thanks to his heavenly Father for the bread and then he broke the bread. And then he gave the bread to his disciples and he said, take and eat of this bread, all of you. This is my body, which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup. These would have been common elements at any any dinner table, right? Right? And he gave thanks to his heavenly father for the cup. And then he gave the cup to his disciples. And he said, take and drink all of you. This is my blood which has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. The disciples didn't understand what he was doing in that moment. Right? Kind of typical for the way that Jesus taught them. They would always ask Jesus, we don't get what you're saying. Maybe someday we will, but we don't get it now. And they might not have got it then, right? And we think we get it now. That, uh, that Jesus was offering his disciples two very real, very tactile, very experiential symbols of the sacrifice that he was about to make for them on the cross that in the breaking of his body on the cross and in the shedding of his blood on the cross he was offering himself free of charge as a gift to those that would receive him for the forgiveness of their sins and so when we gather together as a community of faith right we celebrate and remember the gift of Jesus Christ the gift of his broken body the gift of of his shed blood, knowing that for us, it recalls by memory the sacrifice that Jesus made, but also stands as a call to partake in forgiveness offered through Jesus in the moment. You don't need to be a member of this church or any church to receive communion with us this morning. You don't need to have a background in faith or a complete understanding of every intricacy of symbolism and faith and scripture. What I'm saying and declaring to you this morning is that if you come forward with a repentant heart, desiring to receive and experience forgiveness for the one millionth time or the first time, Jesus offers himself to you. Jesus offers himself to you. And listen, what's so amazing about this? Think about our story from this morning. Is that Jesus offers himself to you not like in a little small way. Like, oh, this this uh, this communion meal here is sufficient little the not the big sins, if you get up over, over like 10,000 sins in a lifetime, then, then you have to take, like, eat a bigger loaf of bread and drink a bigger cup, right? But, but no, 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 that's not how it works, right? Because remember in the story that Jesus took even the simple and the small, right? And he broke it 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 and he supercharged the offering, right? And then it was offered to the crowd, not just to meet their need, but in excess of the need. Right? Forgiveness is exponential in that way. You cannot out sin the forgiveness of God. You cannot out sin measure of God's grace offered to you in Jesus Christ when you when you come before him in humility and repentance desiring the next of life change be written in that moment he offers himself to you without condition and in excess and so we come forward On these mornings, in a celebration, in a remembrance, in a faithful expectation. That as I receive what Jesus has freely offered to me, everything that he said it would do, it does. I am forgiven. I am set free. I am made new. The name of Jesus. I'm going to invite Katie up. She's going to help me serve this morning. Um, We'll invite you up to the center aisles. All right? You can come forward. Katie will be on this side. I'll be on this side. You can break off a piece of the bread. Okay? Dip it in the cup, and you can take communion at that time. Uh, Return to your seats through the center aisles. Like I said, you do not need to be a member of this church or any church to receive communion. You do not need to be a certain age as if there was some, like, maturity limit on when forgiveness could be received, right? Um, I know some two-year-olds who need Jesus, all right? Yeah, <laughs> right? So your children can receive communion. You can help them up here. That's beautiful, awesome experience. Let the grace of God affect their life even before they cognitively available, or like aware of what's going on, right? Uh, be careful over here. There's a little bit of water on the floor, alright? I don't want anyone slipping and falling. Um, actually, in fact,